What's going on? It's Kilo, and we are back for another episode of the regular podcast on the regular network. It's real. All right, what's going on, my people, man? I'm sorry it took me so long to record a new episode. There has been a lot going on, too much going on, car stuff happening, business stuff happening, you know, holiday stuff going on. It's been a lot, so I had a little break in there, but we back for, you know, we back. Let's deal with it. Make sure you subscribe to the channel. Make sure you follow us everywhere, especially on Instagram at The Regular Network. Follow us, click the subscribe button. You know, turn on the notification bell so you can get alerts every time we release a, a new video. We don't we don't only do full podcast episodes. You know what I mean? We do videos on different clips, and we also got the DIY stuff. We have all type of stuff going on. Okay, so let's get right into the most discussed topic this week, man. And everybody knows it is the Deion Sanders topic. It's crazy that there's been a major election going on in Georgia this week. And three and a half million people went out and voted. Yet this Deion Sanders news is still the biggest thing being discussed right now. Before I even discuss Deion, let me let me talk about that um, Georgia Senate race. And it was a runoff election. For people who, who don't live in states where they do runoffs, a runoff is pretty much meaning that when an election happens during a general election, if one candidate doesn't receive over 50% of the votes, they, aren't consider, they are not considered a winner. They have to go into a runoff election. There has to be a majority vote or over 50%. The reason you wouldn't have over 50% is because sometimes you have three or more candidates running, right? In this instance, for the senator race, the, the Georgia senator race, there were three people in the general election, a Republican, a Democrat, and an independent. That independent got around two votes. So Raphael Warnock and Herschel Walker finished both with around 49%, right? So they had to go into a runoff. The runoff election happened this Tuesday on December 6th, and Raphael Warnock, the Democratic candidate, actually won the election over Herschel Walker. He had around 1.8 million votes. Herschel Walker got around 1.7 million votes. So it was still close enough, but Raphael Warnock won by enough to actually get that seat. So Congrats to him. You know, it is what it is. You can't knock it, man. They both ran races. They both had some ridiculous campaign commercials, but they both ran. They, they played by the rules, did what they had to do. Herschel Walker, it came out that he doesn't even live in Georgia. Okay, so, you know, there's a lot of weird stuff going on, but he lost, so it really doesn't matter anymore. Raphael Warnock is getting in there, so we'll see what he does. Now, that story was major. It's a major election. It gave... Uh, Democrats control of the Senate, you know, yet it was or it was still Dion still dominated the news cycle. Dion Sanders, so much so, CNN had people come on to their network, their their platform to discuss Dion moving. Okay, so what happened was Dion Sanders, coach of Jackson State University and HBCU in the SWAT conference, decided that he would leave Jackson State and take another coaching job at Colorado, University of Colorado, the Buffaloes, and the Pac-12, right? Currently, terrible football team. They haven't been good for a long time. Last season, they were 1-11. and 11. So they were flat out trash. And um, they hired who I think would be the right man to come turn that program around, 
not only because he knows football, excuse me, he knows football better than most people. He played at the highest level and he was one of the best ever at the highest level. Not only is he one of the best players, but he also has proven that he can turn programs around. He can also take players who might have been overlooked by other people and make them stand out, or if not make them stand out, he can define synergy and synergism uh, with, that sounds crazy, um, but he can define synergy with people. So I might I can take some pieces, and they might not have been the best players individually, but when I coach them up and lead them and put them together, collectively, the total is greater than each individual part's power. He made that happen. Now he's about to try to do it at Colorado. Now, the reason that there's so much conversation around Dion is, excuse me, there's so much conversation around Dion because people feel like he sold out. He went back on his word. He didn't keep his word as a man. He, he got everybody's hopes up, saying that he was going to bring order and bring some real life back into HBCUs and he was going to change the whole system and change the world and make the world a better place for black people at HBCUs. Okay. He also said that he wanted to um, help make a substantial pipeline for HBCU CU students and players going to the NFL. Right. So he was there for three years. The last two seasons, he won the SWAC championship so this year he won a swag so 2022 they won a swag championship 2021 they won a swag championship in 2021 they lost the celebration bowl which the celebration bowl is like the super bowl of hbcu football right celebration bowl is played in atlanta it is two major hbcu conferences going against each other so it's the MEAC and the swag they play against each other and they take the crown of all hbcus right Last year, they lost to, um, I saw it, or South Carolina State University. They lost to South Carolina State University. This year, they were like head and shoulders above better than everybody else in, in that whole, in the HBCU world and probably in the FB, FCS, period. But they, they are set to play, I forget who they're supposed to play this year, North Carolina Central University, I think. They probably would have won, but... Dion decided after the SWAC championship to declare his leaving to Colorado. And so a bunch of his players, a bunch of the Jackson State players have just jumped in the transfer portal. They said they're out. They're leaving. Not only the ones that he's leave, he's taken with him to Colorado, but people are just leaving, period. So I don't even know how many people are going to be on the team still when they play in Atlanta this Saturday. So or I think it's this Saturday. I think they played this week, right? So that's like kind of crazy that that um he took it and maybe he wanted to get out of there before the the um celebration bowl who knows. I do know that people should know when you win a conference in the HBCU, right? You you not just an HBCU, but when you win the SWAC or you win the MEAC and you go to the celebration bowl, there's a payout for that. So both teams get the same amount of money. Both teams get a million dollars to play in that game. It's so a $2 million payout. Not both teams, don't, sorry. Both conferences get paid a million dollars for their teams being in that game. And then the school will probably get their good chunk off of that. But, so that means two years in a row, Dion has put Jackson State in a position to get a large chunk, chunk of money 
from just being in that game alone. You don't have to win the game. You just have to be in the game because it has sponsors, cr Cricket Wireless, and uh, somebody else. I forgot who it is. But so in three years, Dion turned the program from, you know, a, a losing program for many years in a row to a dominant program in the HBCU circuit. Um, he got top recruits, took them away from other large major schools, and he pretty much felt like he did all he could do and he left. Who knows why he actually left? He said God told him to leave or to go to Colorado, right? Now, this is my problem, right? This is my problem with the situation with people, you know, dogging him like they are dogging him. I don't mind people holding somebody accountable for lying, right? If you feel like Deion Sanders lied, say he lied. If that's what you feel. I don't feel like that. If you feel like Deion lied, he was doing this and... and he never really wanted to save HBCUs. He never wanted to help HBCUs. Say that. But people are like just going all around the world making these arguments instead of just saying that you think he lied. You're using all these different colorful terms instead of just saying that. Now, me personally, what I think is, I think that once he got into the system, because y'all know, know Dion didn't go to an HBCU, right? Y'all know he went to the NFL from Florida State University, a Power 5 PWI school. Y'all know that, right? Seems to me like some of y'all don't know that. So Dion doesn't know the intricacies of the HBCU system. He had a good idea, and he thought he could just execute it easily because he thinks, I'm Dion. I went to Florida State. How hard could it be to go turn a school around and make everything better again? Because that's what a lot of people think. They think they, everything is just going to be easy. I'll just go... Do whatever I want, and I'm a superstar, so it should work, right? So Dion went and took on the task of going to an HBCU thinking that he could save everybody, right? He thought I could turn this thing around. Dion had to deal with his car, his, his office being broken into. They stole his wallet, stole his phone, stole everything from, from his office, right? So there's no security. So the people who are supposed to be admins at the campus, faculty, staff, they didn't even care to protect him there. So he got in and he probably realized, wait a minute, this is not what I thought. And not to say that the school was bad, it's just not what I thought. Right? Has anybody, can, can, because everybody's perfect on the internet. Can anybody in the world admit that they, they had an idea, they had an idea, they started to execute the plan. Then in the middle of the plan, they realized, wait a minute, I thought I had all the information. I thought I did all the research. But when you're actually in it, it's nothing like what you thought it would be. Can anybody admit that that, that happened to them? Because everybody on the internet is acting like, oh, no, no, you should have did this, right? Have you ever tried to start a business and in the midst of it, you said, you know what? I don't want to spend, I don't want to put any more money and resources into this. I'm just going deeper and deeper into the hole, trying to trying to do what I'm trying to do. I just I have to give it up. Sorry. I tried, but it's over. Has anybody? You really don't have to tell me because we can see how many businesses fail every year. Y'all know we can see, right? We know that we see y'all start businesses and then they don't go, they they stop. You know we can see that, right? Some of the people criticizing the man, you know we can see that you did the same thing. Can we talk about People who actually do community activist work and people who do community work that want to help rebuild the black community. Can we talk about some of the ones who had some amazing ideas? They started to work on them, those ideas. And when it got out in the field, they realized, wait a minute, the thing that I thought was the problem is not the problem at all. I have to shut down my operation because 
I'm not going to be able to overcome the actual problems of this system that I thought I can come in here and fix. Has it? Can anybody admit that that happened to them? I know everybody's perfect on the internet. I know. I know none of y'all have never failed at any anything when it comes to helping black people out. Okay, because that's what happened. He had an idea. He thought he could do it. He failed, and he realized I'm not going to keep on throwing all this energy into this, and I, I can't overcome the thing that's actually holding HBCUs back. See, the problem that people don't want to discuss is a person like Dion coming in and working with HBCUs is not the thing holding them back, which also means that a person like Dion coming into HBCUs will also not change the problems that HBCUs have, right? This is something that that I need everybody to realize and know. I, I'll give you all a, a, an example of something that me personally. So we got with a group, me and 30-something black men, we came together. We got with a group and we said, and we created a group and we said, you know what? We want to start this crypto project, cryptocurrency project on the blockchain. We had a master plan, master idea. You know, we said we can use this cryptocurrency to raise capital to then put it back into our community through essentially community work or charity work, right? We give out school supplies, scholarships, you know, do community events, bring the community together. We'll do financial literacy training. We'll do holiday givebacks, all of it. We have this grand idea, right? But then when we actually got into it, we realized, wait, cryptocurrency is not what we thought it was. See, a lot of us know about cryptocurrency investing from the aspect of in being an investor, just putting your money into it, letting it grow, letting this thing grow that already has an established infrastructure, right? We put our money into things that have an established infrastructure and we think we understand how they operate. That's where we went wrong, right? So although we had a good plan, although we thought we did all the research, when we actually got into it, we realized this is not what we thought it was, right? So what happened is we're going along and we, if I could tell y'all how many roadblocks and bumps in the road that we dealt with in 18 months of trying to run a cryptocurrency project, you would, you would, your mind would be blown. I imagine... Deion Sanders, at an, as, as a person that went to Florida State, massive school, then went and played Falcons, 49ers, Cowboys. He did it at the biggest level at the, some of the biggest franchises in the world. I can imagine a person that goes through that type of system does not realize the actual problems that an HBCU has on a structural level. Right? They don't even have security that can stop people from going into his locker. His, his car also got broken into while he was at a game, right? Or while it was in a parking lot. So I'm, I'm saying that to say it doesn't mean that he lied to people as a, to use black people as a stepping stone. It means that he failed the mission. He failed the mission that he set out for himself. Yes, he's the one that put that burden on his own back. He thought he could do it. Just like we with our cryptocurrency thought we were about to save black people too. Guess what? The infrastructure looks different when you get inside the building. Everything looks fixable from down. When you're down the street looking at something, 
it looks like you can fix it. It feels, oh, it's like, oh, okay, I can do that. That's nothing to me. I can do it. All I need is a good team, and we'll go fix that. That's what we thought, and I'm sure that's what Dion thought when he went to the SWAT conference. He's looking, you know, Dion was living in Texas. He was living in Texas, looking at Jackson State from across the country, saying, oh, I see what they're doing down there. I'm so famous. I have so much money. I have so much knowledge of football. Watch this. I can go down there and fix HBCUs just by being there. In his mind, which is very arrogant to say. That's a very, very arrogant thing to say. And a lot of us as black people have faith in that, which it was a hopeful thing. But most of it, you, you had to really know that it's going to take 100 years to make H, to, at this pace that everything is going. Is It'll take 100 years to get HBCUs on the level of the major power five schools. A hundred years and all of those schools would have to stop progressing completely. They would have to have all of their money stripped from them. And then HBCUs would have to keep progressing for a hundred years for it to be even. Right? So he got in that building and he realized this is not what I thought it was going to be. He aborted mission and he got up out of there. I cannot not, as a person that has tried many businesses, as a person that has invested in many things that failed, as a person that has had community plans, some that worked and some that didn't work, I can't knock a person who had a plan, they attempted to execute, and then they failed. It is what it is. That's part of the game. Everybody who actually works with people knows that that's part of the game. So the fact that people are, are, are on his head like this for failing is so crazy. And this is what I said a few weeks ago, a month ago, where, where I said, look how we attack black people who go to other places, predominantly white spaces like Colorado, and try to do something there. We attack them. And then we wonder why once we attack them, they don't end up coming back. I just talked about this a couple weeks ago, man. It's like clockwork. We do it to everybody. I don't even understand why we feel like... Come on. I, I really don't get it. I, I want y'all to really... Think about that, man. When you when you when you go out here, you see a black person trying to do something, right? Let's just say, you know, he went back on his word, he failed to to complete the mission, and he aborted the mission. What he did in those three years that he was there is tremendous for Jackson State. Did y'all realize that Dion was giving up half of his salary to give it to the school that was supposed to be paying him? He given up half his salary to make other people's lives different. And this is the person that y'all are attacking like this. Y'all realize that Dion was taking, even before his he was cutting his salary in half, his contract was only, and I'm saying only relatively because he's Dion Sanders. It was only 300000 a year. That's not market value for Dion Sanders as a head coach. He accepted a generous, generous, generous discount to go help an HBCU out. And he didn't just help Jackson State. He helped all, all the eyeballs were on pretty much all the HBCUs football at this point for three years. Right. Especially the game when people were playing against Jackson State. All eyes were on them. Stadiums packed, set records. They brought college game day to an HBCU game, not just HBCU. Do y'all realize that college game day, they only go to the biggest colleges in the country, the biggest uh, football programs in the country. They do once a week. That means they have 12 opportunity or 12 to 13 opportunities 
to do college game day in a season. The Big Ten alone has, what, 16 teams that all probably have 70,000 more students than Jackson State does. All of them do. Alone, just that one conference alone. Dion being in Jackson State made college game day come to Jackson, Mississippi to shoot that episode to shoot that episode in the same state where Ole Miss exists and Mississippi State, two big schools. They came to Jackson State. And guess what he did? He shared the love with the team they were playing that week. They they made it a massive celebration. They asked all of their fans to come out and, and all of Jackson State students and fans and everything came out and they made it a big, big, big deal. That's Dion did that. Right? The HBCU Go platform that shows football, shows uh, HBCU football, they have a CBS deal now, TV deal. Before Dion got there, that wasn't happening. So it looks to me like he went there, brought his celebrity there just long enough for them to get something just so he can go do what he was actually going to do. He probably he probably never was going to go to a, an HBCU to coach anyway. He probably did it. Just as I want to help them out real quick and let me see how much I can build the system up before I leave. And then he was going to leave anyway. Nobody ever thought he was staying there forever. I just don't like it, man. We, we got, I, I just said this. I just posted a reel on Instagram today. We cannot cancel each other. This is ridiculous, man. You can critique if you think, if, let's just say, all right, okay, laugh at him because he failed at the mission. That's on you. I, I would never do that because people fail at things all the time when trying to help black people out. It's part of the game. At least he was trying to help black people out. Sitting on Twitter guarantee is not helping black people out. Yeah, we do it because it's fun, entertaining, but it's not helping black people. Writing articles about black people failing is not helping black people out. Promise. All right, let me move on, man, because uh, this week has been littered with Dion conversations, and I, but I just had to say that, man. Now, let me take a drink. A white man has gone viral this last two weeks or, or sometime recently talking about how, hey, guys, how come black women aren't feminine? All the black women I've been around, none of them are feminine. I don't really understand it. This is ridiculous to me. I'll, and I'll keep this brief. This is ridiculous to me. And the amount of people agreeing with it is just like, it, it seems to me like a lot of people feel like they are making the most sense when they agree with any negative stereotype about black people. They're like, yeah, y'all, all we do is steal from each other. Yeah, that's smart. Yeah, y'all, all we do is act mean to each other. Yeah, that's smart. Yeah, all of us are lazy and all we want to do is get a handout. Yeah. People really, like, we feel like, oh, no, I'm different because I say stuff like that. You're not different. You just agree with a bunch of people that don't like you. You're not really different just because you're different from black people, because you're just like a bunch of other people. You're not unique at all. The reason that it's stupid to say black women aren't feminine or black women are masculine is because, first of all, it's race-based, racist, because the in America, the standard of femininity is based on white women. And in a lot of people's minds, when they think American woman, they think of a white woman. Something y'all have to come to terms with is that black people have been here and it's some some people's guesses and things before white people got here. But for me, when I when I talk about being 
a descendant of enslaved Americans, we have been here just as long as or longer than most of the white people that are in, a, in this country, right? So y'all have to stop basing some of these standards on white women only, even though they are the majority of women. Here's why, because every what, what, what we call femininity in any culture is based on that culture's idea of their women. So in America, when they say something is feminine, it's really judging it based on it's how it's compared to white women. So the more, the more your femininity resembles a white woman's femininity, it's considered feminine. The, the higher you go, it's like, oh, she's super feminine. The, low, the further you get from white women's femininity, it's like you're not feminine at all. Okay. Every group has their own standards. If you go to China, what they consider feminine is not the same thing as if you go to Ghana. The Ghana's femininity is not the same as if you go to Brazil. Brazil's femininity is not the same as if you go to America. That's first. And it's even groups. With, so with America being this big melting pot and you have millions and millions of people in subgroups, black women's femininity is different and looks different than white women, which is you guys' standard. So white man saying it at all is crazy, right? The reason that I know is bullcrap, and I know that y'all, you shouldn't agree with it at all. If me as a black man started to act like what y'all say black women act like, you would call me feminine for acting like that. So if I do it, it's feminine. But that black woman doing it, it's not feminine. That's first. Secondly, black men have never, like it's not, I don't even, this is a new internet thing where black men have never said that black women are masculine. That's never been a thing. That's new. I'm Not that it's never been a thing, but that's a newer thing. That's an internet thing. That's the, the like when y'all talk, when y'all clown dudes who got podcasts and stuff like that, that's the type of stuff these dudes in the manosphere say because your your woman challenged something you said, so now she's not feminine. Bro, black femininity looks the way it looks, let's be real, because black men are the only people on the, really on the planet. Black, I'll say American because I can't speak for nobody else. Black American men are the only ones that since we, since we became what we are now, us and our women have pretty much been equal. We've been equal with, with our women. Both of us have been having to work since pretty much since we got out of slavery. We always in the fields together. Then when, when, when that stopped, we all, whatever black people were doing in America at any given time, both of us were working. We both had to pay the bills. We both had to take care of crap around the house. Some, we both had to do yard work. We both had to do housework. That's black American life for the, for the duration of the time we've been here. So our standard of femininity is different than everybody else's. So the fact that some of y'all new dudes on the internet, and some of y'all probably not even from here for real, so who knows? Some of y'all new dudes on the internet are looking at black women and being like, why, why are you uh, speaking back to a man? Or why don't you just let, let... That's never been our relationship in this country ever at all. At no point. So why do y'all think it's supposed to start now when they making the same money that we make or more? Why would they just sit there, shut up and look? That's not black femininity. Okay? Whatever, really, femininity means anything a woman is doing. Everything they do is feminine. That's that's by definition. Okay? So I need y'all to stop doing that. Stop saying that. It's dumb. Uh, black feminine. If, if a black woman stands next to a black man, a real black man, 
Nobody would ever look at her and say that she's feminine. I mean, not feminine. She looks super feminine. There ain't never, unless she's a stud or something like, you know, stud, I'm, I'm saying stud, I don't know what, a lot of them call themselves studs. So a masculine presenting lesbian, right? They are purposely portraying masculinity or, or the stereotype of masculinity. But for the most part, even if you put a stud next to somebody like me, they will still appear feminine. It's just how it goes. But next to a white man, they'll look dominant and masculine. That's because of the cultural differences. Right? That's it on that, man. Y'all got to stop playing with black women like that. You sound stupid and you sound crazy. You, 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 you sound crazy, man. Y'all let that, man. Come on, man. Y'all out here agreeing with that? Sound like nuts. Let me, um, I, I seen a, I came across a good, I came across a good e, um, post in the Black Fathers group, man. And I just have to read this for y'all, man. I have to read this for y'all. Oh. Okay. I have to read this for y'all. So it says, Found out a year, I, sorry, it's long. Found out a year ago, I potentially had a 15-year-old daughter. I found this out from her mother, high school ex, whom I've been friends with for almost 20 years. The mother says she's always known I was a father. The mother let me bond with the 15-year-old for a couple months as if I was her father. The 15-year-old was receptive of this and knew I was potentially her father because her mother allowed me to tell her. She willingly spent time with me, accompanied me for her little brother's uh, football games, and etc. Once I demanded a DNA test before this went too far, the mother refused and blocked me. Blocked my number, blocked me on social media, everything. I took it to court to make her comply with the DNA test, and it's been confirmed I am the father. The mother has turned my daughter against me in the most, most ruthless way because I took it to court and because I told the other guy that thought was the father that I'm the real father because she refused to tell him. I haven't seen or spoken to my daughter in over a year. DNA results were confirmed August 2022. I texted my daughter last week from a third-party app that I wasn't blocked on for her birthday. She replied back angrily telling me, don't harass her, leave her alone, she hopes I die. Then blocked me. Hurt me to the core. I've decided to let go and let God and deal with this. Oh, wait. Let God deal with this and wait till my daughter matures and decides to reach. I think he said her own conclusions. Give me a second here. Give me a second here. And uh, what do you say? Reach out to me on her own to build a relationship. Fellas, what do y'all suggest and what will you do? Which, you know, pretty much mean what would you do now? Y'all heard everything I said, right? I hope you were able to follow along with that. Pretty much, you know, high school ex, he got her pregnant, didn't know he got her pregnant, found out 15 years later that he had a kid, right? Then the mom cut him off because he wanted a DNA test. This is my thing here, right? And I commented on the post and some people are disagreeing with me and I'm like, I'm confused. What, what I, my take on it is, bro, why were you hell bent? on telling that other man that he wasn't the dad. Now, people are on the comments like, bro, why wouldn't he tell him? He's supposed to tell him. The reason that you wouldn't tell him is because the woman acted hostile when you first mentioned it. So if she was hostile to that, that must mean there's a reason that she doesn't want that exploded. She doesn't want that known, found out, right? 
You've been around for a couple months. You haven't been around at all for 15 years. Your best bet if you want to be in your kid's life is to not try to blow their life up too much, but do whatever you can to be around your kid, right? That's me. That's what I think. I don't care what somebody, just because that other man thought that he was her dad, that has nothing to do with me. I don't care. The mom put in the effort to let you be around your daughter, to let you see your daughter, spend time with her, do all of this type of stuff, and then you want to blow you want to blow the situation up by telling that other man. It's almost like it's almost like you wanted to ruin the sit. You, you it's like you self sabotage so crazy. It's like you wanted destruction to happen. To me, that's how I see it because I don't understand how. Here's the alternative here, right? This is what you you could be around your kid, spend time with your kid, but there's another man who thinks he's your kid's father. He's your kid's um, dad, right? Or you can let that man know the truth and then never see your daughter again. To me, that's not even, excuse me, to me, that's not even close. I'm going to go with the option that still allows me to spend time with my kid that I haven't been around for for 15 years. I don't care what that other man knows. I've been in the dark for 15 years. He didn't hit me up and tell me, yo, you know, this daughter don't look like mine. She kind of look like you. He didn't hit me up and feel like I needed to know that. So why in the world do you feel like it's your duty to tell that man who, who his kid is and who his kid ain't? I don't care what that man think. As long as I get to finally be around a kid that I haven't been around for 15 years. Now your daughter's telling you she hope you die and she blocking you on stuff. You got to hit her up on WhatsApp and all this other crazy stuff. Come on, man. That trade-off is not, that's not an equal trade-off. It's like, oh, okay, now I'll never get to see my daughter again, but at least I told that man he wasn't the dad. I'm ch- like it's like really pride gets in a lot of our way, man. To me, I, I can't even call it a pride thing. Uh, yeah, it's a pride thing. The pride thing is, I don't want any other man thinking he's the, the father of my daughter. I don't want no man feeling like he's the dad. I'm the only dad she got. Like he was her dad for 15 years. Even she was gonna call that man dad anyway. No matter what's going on, she was gonna call that man dad. She could have spent the rest of her life with you. She was gonna always look at that man like he was her dad anyway. So why do you care if he knows that he's the dad or not? Now, guess what you did? You, you, you done blew that woman's life up because she been telling this man he was the dad for 15 years. How you think he acted to her when you found him, looked him up or whatever and told him that? How you think he started acting to her? And I'm not saying you got to be sympathetic to her. I'm saying you messed your own situation up by doing that. By blowing her life up, you blew your own life up. And you didn't really because you weren't being a dad anyway to this kid. So really, your life is back the, the way it was anyway, which maybe, I don't know, maybe that's what you wanted. I'm, I'm not sure. But the whole pride thing of, nah, I can't let nobody think this, is crazy for, some, for when you haven't even been around. It'd be different if you was around her, her whole life and somebody was calling somebody else dad or something like that. You just got around a couple months ago. Come on, man. Like, I just want, I just want, I just want the... I want the mindset to change to put self first. Don't put old ideas first. Put self first. Think about how is this going to impact me and everything I'm doing. That man thinking he was that girl's dad, that wasn't going to impact you at all except for your ego. That's the only thing it was going to change or impact. This girl's telling you she hope you die and that she don't ever want to speak to you again and blocking you and everything. 
That's going to affect everybody. You telling that man that he's not the dad and that woman acting the way she acted about that, now everybody, nuclear bombs set off between the family. Now you don't get to take her around your family, show her off. Now you just know in your heart that you got a kid that you're not taking care of. So now, it, before it was like you didn't know, so it was whatever. Now, you know about it, it's dead be dad territory. You understand what I'm saying? Like, this, it's a sticky situation, but you got, man, you have to assess that this is my thing. If you a dad that hasn't been around, don't come back in the picture trying to change rules and, and, and don't try to change nothing about that life, except whatever they willing to give you at first until you are, are in good enough. And if it's been 15 years, bro, you really probably will never be in that good. It's going to take a long time for you to get in that good. You understand? This is not something that you can force. If you haven't been around, do not come into people's lives trying to blow the whole thing up to accommodate your personal feelings. You haven't been there. It's a sad reality. But as dads, since we don't carry kids, and since there's a possibility that we have kids that we don't know about and all that type of stuff, if there's a kid out there that belongs to you, when you find out that they belong to you, they already have a life established. Do not go blow their life up to make yourself comfortable. That's my that's my take. That's my um take to you, my G. And I said this in the um on the thread, so it's not you know. But man, I feel bad for him because it's like he wasn't thinking, he couldn't have been thinking. You know what I'm saying? He couldn't have been thinking straight. Man. That's tough. I, I hate to see a dad not be able to have access to his kids, but like, damn. Jeez Louise, buddy. So let me move right on. Hard left, hard left. Zillow just put a report out that says these are the 10 best metropolitan areas for first-time home buyers in 2023. Let me just read the list and then I'll go back and look at some of them. First of all, three of them in the top five are in Ohio, my home state. Uh, pretty much eight out of 10 are in the Midwest. Let's let's look at the list. Number one place is Wichita, Kansas. Number two, Toledo, Ohio. Number three, Syracuse, New York. Number four, Akron, Ohio. Number five, Cleveland, Ohio. Number six, Tulsa, Oklahoma. Number seven, Detroit, Michigan. Number eight, Pittsburgh. Number nine, Missouri, St. Louis. Uh, Pittsburgh, PA. Number nine, St. Louis, Missouri. Number 10, Little Rock, Rock Arkansas. So let's go back to see what, what they're saying, um, how they came up with this list. After the pandemic fueling bidding wars, the number of shoppers in the housing market has fallen. And although housing affordability is extremely challenging these days, some markets fare better than others for first-time homebuyers. Markets with relatively more affordable rent, less competition, and higher inventory for the, in the for-sale market in 2023 will provide the best opportunity for homebuyers, especially those looking to acquire their first home. Now, I see some people actually saying that this list is crazy. Like, look at the cities they named. Of course, y'all know that affordability comes with perks as we'll say. And affordability comes with other environmental circumstances, right? So let's just look at the list. Like we know all of these are like hood cities, so cities that we know to be hood cities. I'm not sure. I'm not familiar with Wichita like that, but Toledo, Akron, Cleveland, Detroit, Pittsburgh, St. Louis, Little Rock, like these are some of the most high crime cities in the country, <laughs> right? But Home ownership in high crime areas is still home ownership, right? This guess guess what? Guess that's how gentrification works. 
you know what they do? They go to areas that have high crime, they buy up the houses, and then they wait for them to get some equity, and then they make a lot of money. I'm not saying that you should gentrify, I'm just telling you that these areas are the areas that get targeted by big investment, and we can't shun these areas and then be mad when other people don't shun them and come move into them, okay? Let's look at it. Why is Wichita on the list here? Typical uh, rent payment as a percentage of income. So only 27%. Well, let me look at some more. Dang. Okay, I'm not about to read all this. I want y'all to go check this out. Zillow put this list together. It's a good list. The reason I'm not reading some of these stats is because pretty much everything on this list will need an explanation, and I don't feel like doing that. But I did think it would, I mean, to me, it makes sense that there's three Ohio cities in the top five. If you know anything about Ohio, Ohio is, has some hoods and they have a lot of real estate, a lot of houses, a lot of nice houses, actually. And they are affordable, especially in places like Akron, Cleveland, Youngstown. I wouldn't say Columbus is not super, but Dayton, you know, Canton. It's places that are extremely affordable that... You know, some of the areas could be a little bit rough around the edges, but if you, especially if you're like a work from home person, so you can make like New York City money and live in Ohio, like you would live like a king, honestly. I remember growing up, like the people that lived like kings were GM workers, like factory GM people, like not lawyers, doctors. I mean, they live good too, but the kings that we all know was like GM. If you worked at GM, that's, you was a king, okay? That's, that's how Ohio was, right? So it's a cheap place to live and there's nice houses. So, you know, I want y'all to go check that out. Anybody who is looking to buy a home, anybody who is looking to relocate, you know, maybe not go into like the heart of some of these cities, but definitely, you know, keep your eye on some maybe the suburban areas because this list is about metro areas. So that means even the suburbs count, right? There's a, a report just came out like minutes ago, like, a, you know, like a couple hours ago. And this is about a bombshell that just that just came out. And I'm really I'm about to read this whole article from the source because it's just crazy. DEA claims BMF involvement in Jam Master J's murder. Whoa. Let me just skip down to this article here. This part. For years no one was fingered as a suspect, crazy wording, until Carl Jordan and Ronald Washington were indicted for Jam Master J's murder in 2020. Since these indictments, it has been alleged that Jam Master J whose given name is Jason Mizell, was involved in a large quantity multi-kilo cocaine distribution, which is also the alleged motive behind his murder. Oh, snap. Behind his murder. Uh, what am I looking at here? Jordan and Washington are slated to begin their trials in February 2023, and one of the star witnesses scheduled to testify in the trial is Black Mafia family founding members Terry Flannery, Southwest T, because the feds believe the BMF uh, that the BMF's drug empire intertwined with Jam Master J's co uh, operation, which in turn resulted in Jay selling large amounts of cocaine for BMF. With info gathered from DEA agents and federal CIs, criminal informants, Jam Master J was killed over cocaine that was supplied by a BMF organization, which at the time was headed by Southwest T's brother, Big Meech, Demetrius Flinnery. Meech is currently serving a 30-year sentence for his role in the BMF organization. Okay, and then he said they would update this. Now, I don't know if, if any, and probably not, but this guy Star, Star that used to work as a radio host in, the, uh, in New York City, Star and Buck Wild radio show, whatever, 
a couple years ago, Star went on his podcast and said, yo, Jam Master Jay didn't just die from some random tragic murder. Jam Master Jay killed. Jam Master Jay got killed because he was trying to sell cocaine and he was terrible at it. And he just took, he pretty much ran off on a plug, had the cocaine, never made the money back and couldn't pay it back. So he got killed about that. That's Star said that on live stream a couple of years ago. And I just tried to find like a clip of it, but he was live streaming. So I would have to dig through so many hours. I just would never, I don't care like that, but I'm just going to talk about it. Um, Star said that. He said he was cool with Jay. He knew what he was doing. He was he was get he was messing with kilos, and he didn't know what he was doing at all. So that's why he got killed. And it's just crazy that it's coming out now, and they're saying that Southwest T is supposed to be a star witness. Y'all know, man, them releasing him around that time because he got released in a pandemic due to his like health issues and everything. He got a re uh, released around the time these dudes got arrested, right, for this murder. So for him to be a star witness, I'm trying to understand what he could be saying. Southwest T ran his operation out of Cali. Even though they were national, they was putting coke everywhere. Like he ran his joint out of, out of California. Uh, Big Meech ran his out of Atlanta. So even though they were national, of course. So I'm trying to figure out what, like, how could he be a star witness in a New York murder? Just be, they, they supply cocaine to, to the whole country. So why would the top level distributors know anything about this random murder like i'm i'm a little bit it's fishy it is fishy i'm i don't even know what to say i just wanted to report that because it's fishy right now you know t i just uh came out and volunteered the fact that he snitched on some on his cousin his dead cousin before this is all strange there's a lot of strange activity going on right now and i'm not saying i'm not saying that southwest t is snitching i just don't know what he could possibly have to offer especially being pegged as the star witness in this murder. I'm just, it's, it's all strange to me, but I'm gonna let y'all figure that out and we can watch it closely together and, and we'll come back and report on it later. But that just came out today. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna let y'all leave like that. Peace out, make sure you subscribe to the channel. Again, follow us on Instagram, follow us on Reddit at the regular topics or slash the regular topics subreddit. And um, let's get to it, man. Peace out.